Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Pat Corain today, and uh, we're going to talk about dynasty rankings because I've been getting the emails, Pat, the the trade offer emails, the the league dues emails, right? Uh, your draft order has been set emails. It's like you know we we're we're going through the euphoria of top shots right now, but the dynasty rookie drafts they're coming. The picks, they're coming. I, I declined to trade yesterday. I uh, entered a dispersal auction in another league because my team is terrible. So we're, we are, it's, a, it's about there. I mean, obviously it's going to pick up in fever pitch after the NFL draft, but people are, the, the, the grinders, they're starting to, to feel the competitive dynasty juices flowing. Yeah, you're getting those trade offers where it's like a late second and a crappy player for your third round pick and a much, much better player. You know, so those are always fun to to reject immediately. But yeah, a lot of leagues are kind of waking back up this time of year. And um, yeah, preparing for rookie drafts. I always say like this is a good time of year. Um, you know, a little a little bit later, post free agency, start thinking about doing startups, have some of this rookie research. Well, this this time last year, this time last year was when it was startup season. That's I mean, right. how many orphan dynasty teams are there going to be this off season, dude? People are starting to get vaccinated. They're like, dude, I'm vaccinated. I'm going out. I'm going to baseball games. I'm going to go visit my family. <laughs> like I'm not doing another dynasty startup draft with these nerds. I'm out. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to be intense. I think you're going to have people abandoning abandoning dynasty teams like mid 2020, 2021, <laughs> <laughs> like halfway through the season. They're just going to be like, I'm done. Week eight, I'm out. <laughs> you're going to be sending guys trade offers and they're going to be like, I literally have not opened MFL since December of 2020. Yeah. 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 We still have a little bit of the pandemic lingering here. So I think, I think startups are uh, probably still doing okay right now, but yeah. All right. So, you just came out with your dynasty rankings on establish the run. Um, I published a update of mine like two ish weeks ago. So yours are a little bit more updated, but there are going to be a couple spots where I think, I, I just think a couple spots are pretty ripe for discussion. And right away I have, I I'm going to, I'm going to umbrage take with you. All right. You you have Saquon too high as the fifth overall player in Dynasty. It's not really because of the torn ACL. I don't particularly care about that. But he is a 24-year-old running back who is going into the last year of his rookie deal. Now, you would say it doesn't really matter because he plays for the Giants and Dave Gettleman's his GM. They're going to give him whatever money he would ask for right is that is that kind of your your supposition well they get a fifth year option and i am anticipating they they utilize it so i i do think to your point i do think his fifth year option gets exercised but i don't think that he re-signs a mega deal with the new york giants because i'm pretty sure dave gettleman's gonna get fired 
I feel I feel that that is like roughly a 40 60 projection. Like if you offered me plus 200 Dave Gettleman gets fired by the end of the 2021 NFL season, I think I would take it. That division is going to be way more competitive this year. I think the Eagles will be a lot better with Jalen Hurts. I think the Cowboys obviously are going to be a lot better with Dak Prescott for 16 games, uh, you know, assuming that he is able to uh, get and stay healthy. And you don't love running back switching teams for like a variety of different reasons. It just historically, it's not great. Uh, in honestly, even when running backs get to those age 25, 26 seasons, you start thinking about them taking a step back in efficiency anyways. And I think that it's sort of a unique situation for Saquon in New York where they have so much industrial equity in proving that they were right, taking him number two overall, that you just you just were not seeing Deion Lewis stealing third down snaps. It was yeah. all Saquon Sisson all the time. And so I don't think your ranking of him at running back five is wrong. Where I disagree with you is if I own Saquon in a league, and I do actually own Saquon in a league, uh, that – uh, you and I are not in it together. I'm co-owners with Drew Dinkmeyer in this league. I would take AJ Brown straight up for him. I would take DK Metcalf straight up for him. I would take Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb straight up for him, which you your CD Lamb ranking is um, egregious, which we will get to here in a little bit. So I want you to make the case for me that Barkley should be valued ahead of these wide receivers. Yeah, I actually have him fourth. Uh, so yeah, no. you have him ahead of Jonathan Taylor, which I will not. I will not quibble with. Like it's, it's fine. Like Saquon scores more points than Taylor in 2021. And that's enough to rank him one spot ahead, regardless of whatever you think about their futures. Yeah. And that fifth year option, they have to decide on that this spring. So even if Gettleman is gone, he's going to be, you know, he needs like a gigantic setback in his rehab or whatever to not get picked up, I think well, uh, for that fifth year. So do you know how it works in terms, can they offer him the extension this off season? I mean, they could offer him an extension, but you either have to like pick up or decline a player's fifth year option by, I think it's like May. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And, and I don't think, I don't think he, it seems unlikely that he would get the extension now. Cause it seems like with running backs, I feel like teams don't pay them until the running back forces the issue, like right. until they hold out. Yeah. And he doesn't really have any leverage right now. Uh, obviously coming off the injury, but what are they going to do? Lose more games. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. <laughs> but I think you're in a situation where, you know, you want to be looking ahead to the following year and saying like, you know, after, you know, halfway through 2021, what are people going to be thinking about Saquon? And I think people are going to be thinking, well, he's going to still be on the giants. I know where he's going to be. I'm not, fearing the 2021-2022 offseason, um, just the 2022 offseason, I mean. I'm not fearing that. So I'm, you know, comfortable kind of holding this guy or I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be like low-balling dudes for Saquon. So what Saquon offers you is that elite running back upside. The way I like to build my teams is to try to get one of these guys who can have the 20-plus points per game at running back be kind of that anchor, that one elite running back uh, type of construction. And I'd rather take the chance with Barkley coming back from the injury with the contract safely keeping him in place in New York, most likely for the following season ahead of a guy like Taylor, 
where I'm more concerned that he can even be that running back in the first place because of the lack of passing down work. Uh, I think Taylor, obviously very, very talented running back, but I don't know that he ever gets used in that true workhorse three down capacity. And Naheem Hines is there uh, for at least one more year, which probably limits him to some extent. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't care about that. It's just like, I, I have no quibble. In fact, it probably in a startup, Jonathan Taylor is priced out from what I would yeah, pay for him right now. And, and for Barkley is too, for that matter, because I would just rather have DK Metcalf. I would just rather have AJ Brown than those guys. I think it, the move then is to like trade down, which down. is yeah. sometimes a cop at like, but if I was at one of four, I'd take, I would take Barkley, but at the same time, I would also look to trade down because I think you've got McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara there, top three. You feel a little bit better about those guys. You can only trade down in these leagues if you are in an FFPC grinders league. Like, yeah. it, they, like for example, in this rookie draft that you and well, I mean, we're in like six leagues together. But so this quarantine auction league that we did where I have that we both have Tankapalooza teams. I mean, just imagine trying to trade down in that league with with Peter Overzet or Anthony oh, Miko. God. Like, it's yeah. just it's just like you're never doing it because you're never like you're never getting fair value. It's it's it totally pulling teeth to try and do it now in a startup, especially. I will if I, FFPC is not paying me for this. Those leagues, by and large, are very active, and those guys like to do trades. And you don't get uh, you know it's you don't get held to the door pulling every last little second of value like guys like to trade in those leagues yeah when you when you're in like these analyst leagues and stuff you do realize that we're all the worst because it's like well if you add a third like yeah. you know, <laughs> come on <dude. laughs> i mean that's me though like drew and drew and mike give me the hardest time because i co-own teams with both of them in different leagues and literally every time someone proposes a trade to us and i think it's fine i'm like yeah i'll, I'll send a counter where i ask for a, an extra fourth and it's just like dude just accept <laughs> the trade like just and i i even know that that's terrible about myself and i can't I can't get myself to do it. Um, yeah, Sean Siegel has helped me with this a little bit because when you trade with him, it's fun. He makes it fun. Even though you, you know you're losing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He And that's the other thing because he's, he's really good at this, so he still gets the best of you. But he sends you offers that are fun. He doesn't kind of quibble on that type of stuff usually. Um, but I'd also recommend like FFPC, FFWC, um, those types of guys. I completely agree. They're just willing to kind of fire off trades. They're very active, so... I, I yeah. do enjoy those formats. All right. I, I, the, the biggest bone I have to pick is you in your rankings, you seem to have no problem buying into Justin Jefferson as immediately a top 10 dynasty asset, which I don't quibble with. I think you, the way that you have him ranked aggressively is appropriate, but you have CD lamb down at 26 overall and wide receiver 12. And I, I guess if I could predict the lamb argument, it would be, okay, well, he plays with Gallup and Cooper. He's not looking at like a 28% target share the way Justin Jefferson could theoretically be looking at a 28% target share. And what Jefferson had the record for most rookie receiving yards since Randy Moss's season. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I, and I guess he was incredible. Is that, it, is that the Justin Jefferson argument? I'm assuming that's like the crux of it. Yeah, yards per out run were off the charts. Um, Lamb was good, not great there. Uh, you know, Jefferson, 
was also a early declare wide receiver, highly mm-hmm. productive in college. He actually had his best season in terms of market share, not the year uh, that Burrow went off and he played alongside, right. uh, you know, the emerging chase, but actually the year before he had a stronger market share. So he's, he was a really good prospect, kind of got lost in the mix to some extent um, with just the amount of really good prospects there were. And then he just had this historic rookie season. Uh, and if anything, like he should be taking on more work with Adam Thielen, you know, kind of declining. So uh, there's just, it's, it's hard not to really like Justin Jefferson. And then also kind of, to some extent, you got to factor in the market and Justin Jefferson is not going to like, what scenario is Justin Jefferson not going as like a, a top 50 startup pick after the season? You know, he could, he could blow out his knee today and he'd still and be still. Top. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you just have such a high floor with the ceiling. So then my rookie wide receiver argument would go something like this. First off, CD lamb played four and a half games with Dak, right? Clearly a worse quarterback situation. Say whatever. I mean, Kirk cousins had a top five YPA season in, in football last year. Uh, CD out targeted, Michael Gallup, who we know is good. Um, I, I will hear nothing to the contrary on Michael Gallup. Like he's good. And I actually think it's good. Yeah. And ba- and basically posted the same yards per target, 0.2 difference from Amari Cooper. Now he didn't have the insane amount of uh like like he had five touchdowns and 935 yards, which like if go so we go into last offseason and we say CD Lamb has 935 yards, five touchdowns, 111 targets, you're probably thinking, wow, so he's got to be the number one wide receiver in the class, right? That's a very good rookie wide receiver season. Yeah. But but even more so than that, the argument for Lamb is so they they got Dak locked up. They have kept the same offensive coordinator now through two head coaches, right? They fire Jason Carrot, they hire Mike McCarthy, but they keep the same offensive coordinator. The Dallas offense before Dak got hurt looked like it was going to be the Oklahoma Sooners college offense in the NFL with like 53 pass attempts per game. Dak had uh, 390 passing yards per game. So I guess my thing would be in the intermediate term, the short to intermediate term, Lamb having a 22% target share might result in a very similar target volume to Justin Jefferson's 27% target share. And then kind of over the long term, the Cowboys can get out of Amari Cooper's contract, not after this season, but after next. And just looking at their cap sheet, it seems pretty likely that they would do that. So, and, and maybe and this is the, a free agent after the year. Yeah. And maybe this is, I think they'll extend Gallup. I think the most likely thing that they do is they extend Gallup and then that portends Amari Cooper not being extended but i mean you know i've been wrong about these things before but i'm even framing this the wrong way because i'm not trying to disparage justin jefferson i'm just saying i would rather have cd lamb than michael thomas and i would maybe maybe given deandre hopkins age maybe rather have lamb than hopkins i think that's close i actually agree with you i'm gonna move him up um but we did it i'm gonna i'm gonna keep him behind t higgins 
so I have no argument against that other than the Bengals. Like literally my criticism to that would be like the Bengals suck and Joe Burrow is going to get sacked 900 times a year, which like is, it's a teensy, like, do you feel concerned about that, about Burrow playing behind that offensive line? I mean, that's what everyone said before the start of 2020. They said, this is the worst offensive line. He's going to get shellacked. He got sacked like an, an absurd amount of times in the games that he played. And then he tore his ACL, but that's really it. Really, the only concerns I would have is Burrow just gets banged up and hit too often. Yeah, but I mean, that's my concern with Dak. You know, the Dallas offensive line has been declining for a while. Well, they, the- they all didn't play last year. They're getting three offensive linemen back this year that, that played like 150 snaps last year. Right. Are you concerned about his injury at all? Because that's the, you know, if Dak doesn't have the same mobility to start the year, I think that could hurt. It's not like he didn't have a routine ankle injury that was pretty severe ankle injury yeah i mean it it seems like from what i can tell that he is already progressed pretty far in his rehab like he's already you know doing it was a a really brutal injury though like breaking your ankle that way was so painful uh i mean i will get concerned about it if in three months they're doing you know rookie otas or whatever and they're and dak is still like walking around with a brace on or something like that would concern me but it I, I think that's for like forecasting minutia too much now to be worried about it. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong though. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I it's definitely difficult to, uh, to forecast, but I don't think it's minutia because you know, if Dak isn't himself, that's, that's going to have a huge impact on the offense. But I also did these before Dak's deal came through. So I mm-hmm. think for a couple reasons, like slight, I was slightly hedging on how bullish I am on this offense overall. Um, I think I really like Dak as quarterback and I hope he's, you know, what we saw before the injury. And I think he probably will be, but um, yeah, getting him locked up there is definitely really good for CeeDee Lamb. And I could see them letting Gallup walk. It kind of depends on what Gallup ends up demanding, right? Um, He may want a situation where he can be a little bit bigger, a bigger. Yeah. I mean, maybe he wants to go to the chargers as Keenan Allen you know, uh, vacates the number one role there or something. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, I just, I just, that was off the top of my head, but yeah, I mean, I could see a scenario where kind of actually like Juju where Juju has been a really good stealer was very electric early in his career, but he doesn't really want to play second fiddle to Deontay Johnson, you know, so he's out of there. Um, right. And I, I could, I could see Gallup doing that and just being like, look, I want, uh, you know, 44 million guaranteed dollars and the Cowboys are like, no, you know, no, thank you. We will, we'll target Noah Brown and Blake Jarwin instead. Yeah. Okay. Do you own Ezekiel Elliott in any dynasty leagues? I do not. I had him in that tank of Palooza league and I managed to sell him. Uh, got some first round picks out of it. Feeling pretty good. I sold him in the one league where I had him as well. And I am feeling very blessed because the signs were there that mm-hmm. it was coming. I I would take a mid to late 2021 first for him and uh, Naheem Hines or something like, a, a, yeah. you know, a, a bad pl- player. Like, and I know that's not fair value. If you punch that into a trade calculator right now, they'd be like, oh yeah, you're, you're getting crushed. And obviously that is a, like a, a non superpower team. Like if I had a team that was the favorite to win the championship in my league this year, and I had Zeke, I'd probably just keep him. Cause it's, 
you know, his points above replacement is probably worth it. But also there's a scenario where Zeke turns into like fancy Jackie battle this year where Tony Pollard is actually (laughs) playing. Tony Pollard plays 50% of the snaps and Zeke gets first downs and goal line stuff. Like Zeke will still score 10 touchdowns this year probably, but I could see him catching like 28 passes or something like not good. Yeah. I was just, uh, I was on the ETR podcast and was talking with, uh, with Silva and Levitan about this and, and Levitan was making the same point about the touchdowns because you you're really, or sorry, Silva was about, um, about just how exciting this Dallas offense can be, you know, and it's, and Zeke's the type of guy that we're probably going to talk ourselves into over the course of the summer as we get more and more excited about this offense. So I'm thinking that, you know, if you do have Zeke, if you didn't manage to get out, I think he is a sell this off season, but you probably do want to hold through the pre NFL draft and post NFL draft period, which tends to be probably the most youth heavy period of the dynasty calendar where everyone wants their teams yes. to look trendy. Yeah. You know, in the spring and early summer, no one wants to be taken on kind of the old aging veterans, but I mean, even when, Michael Thomas right now, if you yep. think, if you, if you buy a Michael, I, I got offered Michael Thomas for the one Oh nine and a 2022 first, like someone, I I own those picks and someone offered Michael Thomas to me for that. And I rejected it, which is like, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I didn't even feel that bad. Like I, I talked to Leone about it and I was like, you know, uh, I don't know. And I rejected it. But like, obviously, if Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas, I, it's a stupid rejection. Like he, clearly good, healthy Michael Thomas will do much better than two first round picks. Yeah, I get I get where you're coming from there. I would have taken it, I think. But you're you're not wrong to kind of like really value those picks right now because everyone wants to get back everyone wants draft. picks yeah yeah even guys like i tend to sell my especially you know on contending teams i'm selling the picks a year out but i love drafting rookies so i'm always trying to get back into the class and i'm all you know last year i traded odell beckham for uh late first and early second you know and so that that exact type of move is the move that i'm normally trying to make like the, the sell michael thomas side um but yeah, I think eventually people need to start thinking about what their team is going to do in this upcoming season. And they're going to start, you know, plugging their team into, into evaluators for this year or whatever, you know, trying to figure out if they can actually win the league and having Zeke Elliott on your team at that point is going to make you feel a lot better about your chances to win the league. And that's when I think you shop them, you shop them in July and August, you'll probably get a lot more. I would be pretty terrified of taking him into the season because I think Tony Pollard is the better runner right now. And that's probably unlikely to Tony Pollard is the better everything right now. Zeke again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They neither one was awesome as a receiver last year, but Tony Pollard was awesome as a runner. Um, he was, he was outstanding and yeah, I mean, just the eye test, everything Zeke's been kind of clearly declining. Uh, and he is safely under contract Zeke. He's, definitely going to be on the team in 2022 but if he's in a committee in 2021 and then we're looking at 2022 like well it's probably his last year on the team i don't think he's going to be a dude that's fun at all to be shopping this time next year i think everyone oh, I, I mean even i mean even even if he compiles 
a running back one season with 1,300 scrimmage yards, 35 receptions, and 10 touchdowns. It's going to be ugly, and he is going to look fat and slow doing it. And <laughs> you are not – you literally – I don't think you will be able to get a first for him next offseason. I, I don't know if you'll be able to. I think you're probably right. Yeah. I think you may be doing like two seconds or or something. It's going to be tough. It's going to be yeah, tough. Yeah, it's like, like like two two seconds and uh Steven Sims. En- enjoy yeah. like enjoy that. <laughs> Steven Sims. <laughs> I was trying to th- who is this offseason Steven Sims? Like last offseason people were like, "Ooh, you know Steven Sims." Yeah. And they there's some opportunity and he he looked I don't there there'll be someone. We're too early. We're too early in the season um right now is it, is it paris campbell or is he was he already last year steven sims in a way it's i think well paris campbell like at least was a guy who was drafted high and had college yeah, yeah. production and went to a big school like steven paris sims campbell went there's to... are gonna come after me now <laughs> dude they're out there you you joke you joke i'm in a di- i'm in a dm thread with some ffpc grinders and the name paris campbell gets bandied about in there every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um yeah. Okay. You have James Robinson listed ahead of Josh Jacobs, which I guess I get if I was trying to score more points. Like I, I think that James Robinson probably scores more points in 2021 than Josh Jacobs does assuming some kind of similar role, but you will get so much more in a trade for Josh Jacobs than you would for James Robinson. You could get a, even Josh Jacobs, no third downs, no touchdowns, all that notwithstanding. Like, I think you'd have a hard time procuring a first right now for James Robinson, but you could get one for Jacobs. Yeah. And Jacobs looking at the, the DLF ADP, he's like going one spot ahead of Antonio Gibson, who I'm much, much higher on. Um, But you know, you got to use the ADP and rankings in conjunction and you should be selling Josh Jacobs right now. Is kind of the point of my rankings. Josh Jacobs, you can get quite a bit for he's like a, a, a top 24 pick. He's going in the second round of, of startups. It looks like. So um, that's not, it's not good. You shouldn't, shouldn't take him that high. He, one thing that I, uh, you know, I've talked about trying to go for the running backs that get 20 plus points per game. That's kind of one way to think about like what you're shooting for. You're not shooting for sort of safe running back production because there's no such thing as safe running back production because these young running backs cost so much to keep on your team. You're locking up so much of your overall team portfolio in this player and their trade value is going to decline every single year. So it's not safe. You need to be shooting for a really high ceiling when you're going after one of these running backs, one way I've been thinking about is like, is this guy going to be priced at 8K or above on DraftKings? Josh Jacobs wasn't priced at 8K or above a single week last season. And I don't really do you, think anything's do you remember, changing. Do you remember when the people week one, after he caught after six passes Carolina against game? Carolina, people yeah. were like, Josh Jacobs, RB1 season. All those zero <laughs> RB people are stupid. They don't know what they're talking. Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs, baby championships and then it just was the the long steady roller coaster down yeah and he got up to i think like 7500 after after week one but he never he never cracked that 8k he was never treated as a stud you know on a weekly basis and that's what you're paying for with you know if you're taking a dude in the second round of a dynasty startup 
and he can't ever be a stud on a weekly basis, you're wasting a lot of your draft capital. And I'm not saying that Antonio Gibson definitely will be, but it's just such a higher ceiling with that pass catching profile. You know, JD McKissick is a free agent after the year. He's a converted wide receiver. I think pass protection is a big reason why he didn't play so much on, on passing mm-hmm. downs with an off season under his belt. I think we could see his role really expand. So just trying to find the spots where there's actually a ceiling to be had, but we know kind of what Josh Jacobs role is going to be with James Robinson. I'm not particularly high on James Robinson. I think he has a pretty low floor. The thing he did last year more than anything else was just rack up snaps and just well, his floor, his floor is like Chris Ivory, like random yeah. starter during mm-hmm. his first year. And then he is immediately replaced by Ramondre Stevenson, who gets drafted, or, or Trey Sermon, who gets drafted in the second round. And yeah. the Jaguars just do that, right? Like that, that I, just can happen. Or they sign Aaron Jones, you know? Yeah, it totally can happen. And I'm actually a little bit behind ADP on Robinson. I'll probably lower him a little bit. Um, but the reason to be a little bit excited about Robinson, you know, as a UDFA immediately comes in, gets this total workhorse role. Yes. There's going to be a new coaching staff, but along with that, we're going to get a new quarterback and hopefully a much better offense overall. So I would trade some snaps. I would be okay with him, you know, having someone come in to kind of be a better version of Chris Thompson. And maybe he loses a little bit of passing down work, but he's still probably going to be involved as a pass catcher because he does that pretty well. Um, I'd be all right with his role shrinking a little bit if the offense improves overall, because that's where we're going to get the touchdown equity. And uh, which you know, it should. I mean, going from going from I expect Trevor Lawrence to at least put up average year one. Yeah. Offense like bet. average and average NFL quarterback play is so much better than Mike Glennon, you know? Right. But there's definitely, I mean, Daryl Bevel, I think pretty seems pretty decent. But yeah. He also just had Deandre Swift in a committee. So there's, there's a big, there's big downside here with James Robinson. It's a very, very risky pick. Um, but I think you do have access to that ceiling where with Josh Jacobs, it's like, he's not risky in the sense that your value is not going to fall to zero, but you're just slowly going to bleed value from your team over the next two to three years as you don't win the league. <laughs> it, cause you, cause you have to take him the second round. I, uh, I have a big bone to pick with you. All right. You ranked Marquise Brown below Denzel Mims. <laughs> All right, so come, come on. it's not just how many targets you get, but you also want to factor in the yards in the air. They're called air <laughs> yards. <laughs> how many, okay, this is actually, you might, you might know this. Let's play, let's play a little fake. Uh, this isn't even Laden things. Let's just play closer to the pin. How many total air yards for Denzel Mims in 2020? Um. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess, okay, I'm going to guess 1100. Seriously. Yeah, probably. He got so many air yards. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm way too high. Not as, I guess he was hurt. I guess I kind of forgot. 705 air yards. Yeah, I think because he didn't play right away. He didn't play. Yeah, Yeah, I had forgotten that he missed time. But 357 receiving yards. 
So, yeah. so they get a new quarterback, right? Yep. The, he'll have Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Zach Wilson, new or Trey Lance. Staff, new coaching staff. Which is the biggest thing. Pretty big. I mean, I'm not even saying it's time to put dirt. Like, I think there's enough to be encouraged about what Denzel Mims did when the ball was in somewhat to his vicinity. Like, when, <laughs> when it was within a five-yard radius of him. But the, the hate on Marquise Brown and on Lamar Jackson as a passer, it, it, is, it is not even that based in reality. It's, it's memes, dude. It's literally memes. The, the Ravens win, uh, what, 12 games, 11 games? They win 11 games in the regular season. Sure, whatever. They lose, they lose to the Bills in the playoff game in a, a horrible discussion. Like, look, whatever, they sucked. But – they they beat the Titans in the playoffs, right? So they they exercise that demon a little bit. And sure, like Lamar had some really Lamar had struggles as a passer, but he still threw for basically the same level of production in terms of YPA as he did the year he won MVP. Like his QBR was worse, his YPA was was down 0.5, but like it, it's not a total like basically what I'm saying is it's not time to just be like, well, Lamar Jackson, you were the hot young thing. And now you're a dusty old vet and the Ravens will never win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. Like I feel, and, and I think this is true with um, uh, Mark Andrews as well. And I've, I'm already seeing this in redraft ADP. Like Mark Andrews is just going way lower than he went last year, even though his target volume was basically the same. He just didn't score as many touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I, so I guess I'm setting myself up this season this offseason in startups to draft Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews a lot is, is basically what I'm saying. Like controversial opinion. I still think Lamar Jackson is good and has ceiling that he is not exploited yet. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, and the thing with Brown is that, you know, he is entering his, his third season. So he's getting um, that, you know, he's, he's safe and he was first round pick, right? So you're getting him safely tied to the team for a while. Um, actually with Mark Andrews, he is a free agent after the year. So if they don't extend him the off season, he's a little bit riskier in dynasty, but my general thinking with, with uh, Mims and Pittman as well. Um, both these guys are not dudes that I'm particularly excited about than love as prospects, but they showed enough as rookies and you're probably going to be talking yourself into them more and more, you know, as we get closer to the season, I think in particular Mims with, as we mentioned, the, the quarterback upgrade, the change in coaching staff. Uh, and he's just got so much opportunity. So, and, but Pittman as well, the, the opportunity is really exciting there with Brown. The opportunity is probably swinging the other way. They're not likely to sign someone, you know, huge name free agent, but they'll probably add someone or through the draft. And he's had that essentially all to himself. And last year was pretty disappointing. You know, I think he, it's tough when you have a guy, with that much opportunity and he does leave a lot of it on the field. And then it's looking like the opportunity is going to shrink, not grow. And I think with, with Mims and stuff, you can obviously joke about the air yards, but the opportunity Dude, if he, anything, looks like it's growing. He absolutely did catch fire to end the year though. Hollywood Brown did like he put yeah. up a, it, he was really bad. So weeks two through seven, 42, 13, 86, 77, 57, three, 
receiving yards, 38-14, throws up an air ball in a loss to the Titans. Then from week 11 to 16, 85 and 1, 39 and 1, 50 and 1, 6 for 98, 4 for 25 and 1, uh, 5 for 41 and 2 in in the like I yeah, still, maybe he's I still out see if it. they add someone in a way. Like maybe the offense stays on track a little bit more. Um and they're able to uh you know, like he's he's a guy that maybe benefits from not having as much defensive attention. He is a smaller dude, but you know, he only needs to to hit on a couple plays. And he had 1.85 yards per outrun last year. It's pretty good, actually. So maybe I'm being a little overly harsh on Marquise Brown. It is the market is not generally very high on him. Um, I'm actually above ADP on Marquise Brown, even having him behind Mims. But, uh, you know, and that's something I do try to keep in mind. If I don't have like a very strong opinion on a, a player, yeah. uh, I don't want to be like way over market on them. Yeah, um, keep them so, close to the market. Yeah. Uh, so I am like, I think I'm like 10 spots ahead of ADP on them. But yeah, at least among like my wide receiver ranks, I might be a little too low. While While we're here, do you want to expound on Jalen Rager? I mean, you were you were, you led the fan club. Yeah, it was a, it was a rough uh, rookie season there, Davis. Uh, especially because in a lot of my leagues, I was deciding between Rager and Jefferson, so I have a lot less Justin Jefferson than I ought to. Um, yeah, tough scene. Although, tough scene. Although I do have some, uh, luckily. But yeah, I think with Rager, you know, I wrote my note on the on establish a run that, you know, his floor is the waiver wire, you know, he, he could be kind of a Nikhil Harry type of situation where we have almost no choice, but to bet on him again as a Man. sophomore and Keel mm-hmm. Harry. I know. <laughs> where you know, where, is, he, where is he in the ranks? Let's see if, let's see if I command F for Harry. You, you know I, what? That's so funny. He's you literally have him in as your 150th overall player. Yeah. And that's uh, so good. After the news today, I'm gonna put in Donald Parham. So he's he's blessed. Yeah. Um, right. So Rager, he looks like um, you know, pretty tough, pretty tough rookie season, obviously. But sometimes we see draft position matter more in year two than in year one, where these guys are kind of sort of forcing it that mm-hmm. they're gonna sort of prove they made the right choice. And Wentz was a disaster last year, as we know. I think Hertz looks pretty exciting i think that um peterson was not a good coach he you know you know maybe at one time he was but last year he was doing a bunch of weird stuff i mean they came out with a depleted no, offensive he, did, line he didn't do won. he didn't do anything he didn't do anything to make things easier for carson Wentz. it, it almost seems like he was making it harder you know it's like hey you know chuck it deep when you don't have protection you know and they and they this team's got a good pass rush and then on top of that, you had the wide receiver coach who I, I I don't know, like maybe like two wide receiver coaches in the entire league, but I was like obsessed with this Eagles wide receiver coach because he kept rotating these guys out. So none of the wide receivers were getting a full complement of snaps, which is very yep. rare. Essentially no NFL teams do this. And especially you would think not when you've got a young wide receiver who you're trying to have him gain confidence and he can't develop rapport and, and there's quarterback changes. And it's like, how is this guy supposed to develop chemistry with his quarterback when he can't play the full game? So the coaching changes here, I think are very bullish. I'm very excited about the I coaching still, shift. I still believe that. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm loving it. You're showing me cardboard, which 
you know, I, I don't know what is that supposed it's, to make it's me like, excited? It's like a, it's like a moment in real life. You're, yeah, no, you're showing I, me an off-chain NFT. I'm showing you an off-chain uh, <laughs> NFT. Yeah, no, I mean, I I totally buy Rager too. Like, right. if you just bought if you just bought guys like Rager who they're that you know their associated coaches get fired, their quarterback gets changed, the whole organization is just in upheaval and drama. Like, if you just bought the dip on first one wide receivers that that happened to you, you probably end up profiting off those transactions like a good chunk of the time, especially guys who we felt as confident as we did in Rager. And also I would say like Rager to me did not look like JJ Arcega Whiteside when he was out there. Like he looked pretty, looked like his routes were fine. I don't remember like any horrific drops. They even, they were do they did some cool stuff around the goal line with him. Kind of like the, the Tyreek jet sweep stuff. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how anyone could look at it and be like, LOL, Jalen Rager sucks, bro. You know, like that's not the vibe I got. Well, the Eagles fans feel that way because they wanted Justin Jefferson at the time. Very yeah, badly. yeah, yeah. Which, and then you they, know. They, which, you know, they're going to remember that for a long time. <laughs> right. Tough scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Rager will drop some balls and stuff, but I, I generally agree. I thought he, he passed the eye test and, you know, the on special teams, you know, you got a chance to see how explosive he is with the ball on his hands. So I think if they do scheme, you know, various screen passes and just try to get him involved, like, and kind of force it to him, he's actually the type of player where that might work out pretty well because he is really, he's, he's a potential yak machine. That's kind of his profile that he's just going to be a kind of dynamic playmaker in space. Um, so I, I'm definitely excited about him still. I have him, uh, just ahead of those guys that you were mentioning ahead of Pittman, Mims and Brown. Um, well, I mean, ahead, so. if, if you want to do this, uh, CD lamb, very similar body type and style player to Jalen Rager with Jalen hurts in 2019, 62 receptions, 1300 yards, 14 touchdowns. When Jalen was his that. quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, now that was at the University of Oklahoma when they were playing against. <laughs> Kate. But uh, I do think I do think the idea of giving Hurts easy throws like that, like little slants, yeah. pop passes, jet sweeps, I think stuff like that makes sense. And you know, Rager more equipped to do that than Alshon Jeffrey. Do you think the Eagles draft a wide receiver? I think they probably do at some point. Yeah, people are linking Chase to them, and I mean, hey, if I had a chance to take Chase, I'd take Chase yeah, too. Right. So that probably hurts Jalen Rager to some extent if they if they bring in Chase. But at the same time, one of the reasons that I like drafting wide receivers is that it's not actually a zero-sum game the way that running backs are. Like Yes. Running backs are – their production is a result of the overall offense. Wide receivers are able or to playing drive time. the offense forward. Yeah, yeah. They, they need the playing time because they're essentially feeding off of what the offense is already doing for the most part whereas wide receivers are creating value for the offense in a much bigger way because passing is generally what drives scoring in the NFL. So mm-hmm. if you have Jamar Chase and Jalen Rager and Rager takes a step forward and Chase is what we think he is, this is all of a sudden very a very exciting offense. You know, there's, there's potentially a situation where the pie is growing. So does it hurt a little bit if Chase is drafted? Probably, but I don't think it's a, uh, a death sentence either. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, Noah Fant, 
I don't know how many startups I'm going to do this off season, but my guess would be that I take Noah Fant in whichever ones I end up doing because he's been decent enough when playing, has earned enough of a target share when playing to feed into my stuff that I felt about Noah Fant before he was an NFL player when he was a college prospect. And I, it's just, he, he does play with great wide receivers, right? Sutton, Judy, Hamler, um, Alberto, who became a big meme amongst uh, all of us last year. And, but his quarterback play has been terrible unilaterally. He's never had uh, a good quarterback situation in the NFL it makes so much sense for them to go with a Fitzpatrick or Jameis type guy this offseason. I don't know if they will. I imagine Drew Locke starts for them week one. Um, but I, I just I just, well, I want to buy on Noah Fant, especially because Kelsey is about to turn 33. Mm-hmm. And Kittle is Kittle. Waller, how old is Darren Waller? Waller is, is getting... eight or 29. Yeah, so I mean, you're not you're not starting to yeah twenty eight and a half for him. So you're not you're not really that worried about Waller age yet. I mean, I guess the thing you'd worry about Waller is that Rugs gets better in year two, and if Rugs if Rugs commands one hundred and forty targets next year, which I'm not ruling it out. I'm not I I'm not I, if I'm gonna keep the window or if I'm gonna keep uh, the porch light on for Jalen Rager, yeah, I'm also sir. keeping the porch light on for Henry Rugs. And for whatever reason, I feel like. I actually feel like it's Raiders bias that people are like, LOL rugs. The Raiders took him cause he's fast, but that's it. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not ready to do that for rugs yet. Cause like, so there is this thing with NFL players where like, if you can do one thing so well, I just feel like there is room for you to grow. And the one thing that rugs can do really well is like he is so disgustingly fast. And we even saw this with John Ross where John Ross just gets hurt all the time and his coaches hate him. But John Ross for his entire Bengals career would have like three game flashes where he just looked like the best wide receiver they had. Like he would, what was it? Week one against Seattle last year, he had like 150 yards and two touchdowns. Like he would just show up. And I feel like that same sort of 19, he had a similar stretch. He was just like awesome. Yeah. And I feel like that same thing still exists for rugs. So I'm not ready to wipe him out, which circles all the way back to my point, which is uh, no fan. I I'm buying the dip. <laughs> and I would talk about no fan. Right, <laughs> I had some, on, 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 on the Henry rugs part of, you know, fan. yeah, point, no, I, let's go. Let's gonna, go rugs. Let's go rugs. And then back to fan. Yeah. I was, I was going to point out that I think I'm actually like higher on rugs compared to ADP than Rager, even though, I'm much more I think I'm I think of myself as much more bullish on Rager but I I agree I think you you can't write off rugs after his rookie season we saw what the role is it's what Nelson Aguilar was doing so it just it exists for him if he can take that type of role over he's all of a sudden pretty exciting like if if he had had you know two of those weeks that Aguilar had we'd be really excited about rugs that's dude that is such a good point if he literally had two of those Nelson Aguilar games, Ruggs would be a top 50 dynasty asset right now. Yeah. He would. He would. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he was drafted so high. So yeah. And in a way, you know, your point that you made about Jalen Rager, it is exactly the same point on Henry Ruggs. Like the situation isn't even quite as bad, but you're just kind of buying the dip on these really highly drafted wide receivers. Ruggs didn't have, 
that strong of a profile because he didn't have the production. But there are reasons to think, you know, okay, maybe he didn't have the production because he played alongside Jerry Judy and then a guy who won the Heisman the following year. You know, maybe there just wasn't enough targets to go around. He was super young. He came out early. He's the first wide receiver drafted in this really star-studded class. So you have to say the ceiling is there. The floor might be low, but the ceiling is definitely there for Ruggs. So he's going outside the top 100 picks right now. That, that's too low. With, uh, with Fant, I just want them to have a quarterback. And I'm excited. Like, I'm, as I went through my, my rankings, I kind of forced myself to move down Judy and Sutton and Hamler and Fant a little bit because you're Fant. I probably have, I moved down the, the least, but it's just frustrating because there's a lot of mouths to feed there. And, you know, the guy trying to do it is Drew Locke. It's not, it's not going to work out very well. Yeah. I mean, I just like the, it would be organizational incompetence at this point to just keep being like, I mean, they have so many good players. They have the Broncos on offense and defense have so many good players. Like it just feels insane that, I mean, when's the last time like since Peyton uh, retired, I mean, and really even the last end of Peyton's career when it was, he was benched for Brock Osweiler, like things were, things were not great there. What Paxton Lynch, who was the, the Paxton Lynch era, man, that he was a first round pick. That was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Lincoln, you'll miss it. Uh, Debo versus visca yeah i I feel like i feel like there's a real chance that the market is overreacting a little bit to how good Ayuk looked last year forgetting that debo looked similarly that good his rookie season and that the 49ers still view debo as the guy and Ayuk is the complimentary guy yeah i i have debo one spot ahead of visca but as you said that i thought in my head visca so i'm gonna adjust that (laughs) Um, but you know, one thing that I do have to, I have to watch myself from getting too carried away on LaVisca Chenault, but for me, like with, with LaVisca, we've talked a couple times about improving quarterback play. It's locked in with him, you know, and as we mentioned with James Robinson, that's Man, really important. Shark and Visca about to get Trevor yeah. Lawrence and just, oh dude, it's, it's so, so good. good. It's so good. I mean, and the thing with Chenault is that there was some concern about his injury history, but I thought and, that was and, maybe and it, more. No, it's tr- it's real. I buy it a hundred percent because he does, refuses to get tackled. This it's is, like this is a Chris Conley talking point. I'm not buying it. It is. It is. <laughs> no, I know. But no, his own teammate said it. You're right. But if I mean, just like what, like if you just watch any, like watch the highlight reel, like producer. Play the highlight reel, and you're gonna see him going shoulder first into yeah. line. Like it's just it's it is a little absurd. Like you can step out of bounds, dude. Yeah, no, that that's fair. But you know, at the same time, he's definitely got like NFL size. He's got NFL athleticism. He probably should learn how to preserve his body a little bit more. But the bigger concern was: is this guy a gadget player, or is he a real NFL wide receiver? He did play some out of the backfield last year but I kind of liked that he was mixed in in that way I don't think that's a negative he only played 27 percent of his uh his snaps out of the slot so he was primarily like a traditional wide receiver and I kind of like that he's versatile it's not a negative to be versatile it's only a negative if you can't do the main thing you're supposed to do 
but he can play outside wide receiver in the NFL. And I think that's primarily what he'll be alongside DJ shark with this Trevor Lawrence offense. And they got rid of Jay Gruden and they're probably not going to play super, super slow paced anymore. I mean, I'm pretty excited about LaVisca Chenault in year two. He, he has a really high ceiling. He has a very high ceiling and it's not um, exactly in the way that I think that we thought it was going to be where I don't, I don't actually think that, well, they'll do the wildcat stuff with him a little bit, I think, but we would have seen it happen more. Like, I don't think he'll ever be like the goal line back there. I well, think new coaching staff. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't think. Oh, it, he tout, tout either, the but... narrative, the, the Curtis Samuel narrative. Wait, I don't oh is that the Urban Meyer connection Ur- Urban Meyer yeah. Urban Meyer cranked out a million guys like LaVisca Chenault at Ohio State who were like hybrid running back wide receivers yeah yeah I actually would worry that like I don't want him to become I don't want him no to you a... no he's good enough to just be a wide receiver he yeah, doesn't he, he doesn't yeah like and I was maybe a little bit worried about that but like after watching the jet I mean just watching every Jaguar snap because of LaVisca and shark in year one. Uh, I I feel pretty confident. He's just good enough to be an NFL wide receiver. I think. Yeah. So I I don't, I think that the gadgetry stuff is um, beneath him. Let's see a couple other guys here. Are you leave? Oh, go ahead. On your Samuel point. I think I may be part of this, uh, you know, consensus that's going to be overly bullish on Iuke and, and kind of pushing Samuel down. Um, Ayuk just to me, like he, he just looks like a potential star. Yeah. Like he, the hurdle, bro, that hurdle. Yeah. Because he's got the yards after catch stuff kind of like Samuel, but he's can, he can operate deep downfield as well. And he, he had a ton of yards after catch in college, but when you watch him, it wasn't just because he's like getting slants or he's getting screens. A lot of his yards after catch actually came on deep balls, you know, and he's just like taking, taking these deep passes to the house uh, really good downfield wide receiver. So he's, he profiles as kind of a classic alpha wide receiver. Uh, and he's got Kyle Shanahan scheming stuff up for him. So the ceiling for me with Shanahan's Ayuk, wide receiver one, formerly, formerly, uh, dedicated to Dante Pettis via David kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you do want them to be able to play football. That's important. Dude, um, <laughs> you laugh, but 24 months ago, people were drafting Dante Pettis at like 72 overall. That was a real yeah, thing. That's true. That, that, that did happen. Uh, are you, so talk me into Debo Samuel, I guess, because I'm, I'm not like out on Debo Samuel. I have him, uh, you know, in my top five rounds, but, uh, well, it's just very human. It's just very human nature to react strongest to what we most just saw. Debo was basically the most disappointing guy in fantasy football last year. He had a top 180 P for the entirety of the off season. He played in seven games. He gained 417 yards and he scored one time. It's not very good. Uh, But as a rookie for a team that went to the super bowl, he was second on the team in targets gained 802 yards, recorded 159 rushing yards with three rushing touchdowns and three receiving touchdowns and was like everyone's new favorite guy. Like he, like he, he looked like a star um, and looked like a solution to a lot of the problems that Shanahan offenses have had in the past because he likes to run too much. 
and D, like Debo as a short intermediate guy solve some of those problems. And the market, to your point, the market is not overreacting that hard, right? Like Debo is still a top five round guy in startup, but in redraft right now, you can get Debo in like roughly what he costed last year. Um, yeah. And I had Debo. He was going to miss games heading into last year. Yeah. And well, just and had Debo played last year and been fine you know, 900 yards and seven touchdowns or something, he would have, again, been drafted higher. Obviously, his production would have eaten into Ayuk's. But I, the the question I have is not really about Ayuk versus Samuel as players. I think Ayuk is probably a little bit better, just if I had to put a, a, a value on it. But I wonder what the organization thinks, basically. Like, I, what, mm-hmm. what do you think Shanahan thinks? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know their GMs. Balky, I think, is their yeah. GM. Like, Trent Balky, I think. What do you what do you think? I do you think that is they it view Lynch I it is Trent Balky's old GM. Yeah, it's John Lynch. Um well I'm but I I like Ayuk better, so take this with a grain of salt. But they just, you know, they spent a second round pick on Debo Samuel, and then they spent a first round pick on Ayuk, claimed that he was their top wide receiver in the class, and he just had a pretty strong rookie year. So I would think that they like Ayuk better. They have more invested. Um and he I think had the stronger rookie year of the two. Um, but again, I'm kind of viewing this through Ayuk colored lenses. Yeah. I just, I just wonder if maybe there's a little buying opportunity. Okay. The last guy for sure wanted to cover. It's McCole Hardman. Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins are both unrestricted free agents. Now um, maybe they bring one of them back. Maybe they bring both of them back. But as it stands right now, theoretically, Hardman is the second wide receiver on the best offense in football with the best quarterback in football. They made the Super Bowl two years in a row. They were a D Ford offside away from being in the Super Bowl three years in a row. The issue is Hardman really might just not be any good. Like yeah. it, it really might be a situation where you give a guy every chance to succeed that could ever exist. And he just is not good enough. He's fast enough. Uh, but outside, I just like, I, I didn't see any development in his skills from year one to year two, basically. Yeah. And that's a real concern because with wide receiver, like it's not necessarily about the measurables in terms of the speed and you know, what you can see at the combine wide receiver position is a highly skilled position and he converted to it late, you know, formerly was a cornerback. Um, He's got a ton of raw athleticism for sure, but he doesn't seem to be developing as a wide receiver and he has gotten chances. Oh, dude. Yeah. So it's definitely concerning. I mean, I have him like 35 spots ahead of ADP. Um, partly because I don't have the the rookies in here yet. So mm-hmm. in terms of the veteran uh, rankings, maybe I'm having it, it still, I still higher on him, but um, maybe not quite as high, but yeah, I mean, so I'm still kind of keeping uh, some hope out there for him, but it's hard not to start to get a little disappointed with the opportunities is already kind of squandered, but, but to your point, he might have a much bigger opportunity this year than he did last year, they may put him in a position where it's like, all right, it's put up or shut up time. 
Yeah, I'm worried about that as someone who wants the Chiefs to win more Super Bowls, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have McCall Hardman in all these dynasty leagues, but them going into the season with no parachute, like, you know, for yeah. McCall Hardman, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I like, like that's that, terrifying. <laughs> as someone who was so all in on McCole Harvin last year, I do enjoy you now being worried that the Chiefs will be too all in on him entering this year. Well, and I'll of... probably have no choice but to be all in on him this year either, because I mean what let's let's see this. What do we think? I'm gonna go to Fantasy Mojo right now. What do we think his early ADP is in these uh in these best balls? Like tenth, eleventh round? Yeah, I mean, you can't be, like you, you can't not take him there up. if that's true. Okay, best ball ADP uh, for the last seven days. I'm gonna go slim best ball ADP last seven days. This is 21 drafts. McCall Hardman goes 175th overall wide receiver, 61. Wow. I mean, sure, of course, I'll just draft him in every league if he's there because he's probably like I would have taken Sammy Watkins in every single league last year if that's if he got that cheap. Like even walking know how best ball scoring works, dude. He's better than best ball. Have the, have he's the spike be- <laughs> <laughs> That's 15th round. Yeah. I guess 10th or 11th round. So I guess I'm going to own a whole bunch of Michael Hartman. I mean, it's just, it, it, it is like, I mean, maybe they draft someone. They probably, if they let, if, I mean, if they let Watkins and D Rob is probably back. They, I would say D Rob back on a, a, a one year, well, wasn't I can't remember if it was you or Friedman I was talking to about the other possibility, which is that Byron Pringle is the day one mm-hmm. starting wide receiver for them because they have given him way more chances than you think. Like every time Watkins gets hurt, he plays more. And he is also like McCall Hardman uh, going into the third year of his career. But in the playoffs, he played 30, 52, and 44 snaps. He played 44 snaps in the Super Bowl. No one saw that coming. Like, maybe they see more in him than we do. Well, I don't see very much in him. He had a 0.86 yards per route run last season. That includes the playoffs. Yeah. That's behind Chad Beebe. It's behind Miles Boykin, Deshaun Hamilton, Zay Jones. I mean, it was gross. So, this is Byron Pringle, by the way. I... I'm not I'm not interested in Byron Pringle, mm-hmm. but it is a concern that Byron Pringle, with that level of kind of crap production, was getting opportunities over Hardman. Hardman was at 1.53, by the way, which isn't terrible. That's like that's kind of solid. Well, no, because Hardman, when he actually is able to secure the ball, is able to do good things with it. It's just a, it's a real hassle to get the ball into his hands. <laughs> it is a hassle. That's a good way to put <laughs> like, it. Like it's a great way to say it. Like to get the ball to him, they have to put like 19 guys in jet motion, get him moving before <laughs> he has the ball. Get a le- like it's it really is absurd how hard it it's is a whole to get to do. <laughs> but no, I know how this story ends. It's. The Chiefs go into to September with McCall Hardman as their second guy. I've I've over leveraged myself. I've purchased a McCall Hardman uh, NFL Top Shot, whatever <laughs> they end up calling it. I'm all in. And then in Week Four, you know they they sign some Manuel street- Sanders. No, I'm trying to think. Well, who's the who is the the Eagles guy who looked absurd for four? Travis, Travis Fulgham. Fulgham. 
they they sign the 2021 version of Travis Fulgham or they trade for somebody or they bring off they have some six four wide receiver who's on the practice squad whose name I wish I knew right now because it would have been really comedic <laughs> this is a shock that you don't it would have been really comedic to to be able to say that name off the top of my head um but it just it just ends up that he gets outproduced by a street free agent basically is how this ends I'm pretty sure I, I yeah that's definitely definitely on the table I don't think that Byron Pringle is that guy at least not enough to like to draft him with that with that in mind but yeah I mean if if Pringle's a bum and Pringle's playing ahead of Hardman what does that make Hardman I don't know man someone I'm gonna draft a whole lot is the answer yeah I just I (laughs) I maybe it shouldn't be but it is I mean I guess maybe they bring back Watkins I guess but I don't know. By the end, he was barely playing anyway. Like even he got healthy, and I'm pretty sure that Pringle outsnapped him in the playoffs. Uh, I'm, yeah, he came back. Oh, he came back for the Super Bowl, yeah, and played 23 snaps. So Pringle played more snaps than him in the Super Bowl, which I, yeah. I mean, I guess that game was. Now, this is actually a pretty decent a wide disaster. receiver class. Like, are you are you rooting for them to draft someone? I think it's too much pain after them skipping over T Higgins, Chase Claypool, uh-huh. Michael Pittman Jr. to take Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It's it's like too soon. Yeah, you know? yeah I hear you. Man. Yeah. Oh my God. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Here, yeah. let, here we go. Let's end let's end on this. Well, Clyde- can I ask you about Rondale Moore going to the Chiefs? So the, oh my God. Can I mean he's just like fancy McCole Hardman, right? He's like McCole Hardman, yeah. but good. Right. He's he's uh he's the LaVisca Chenault to McCole Hardman's Cordero Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. What if the Chiefs signed Cordero Patterson? <laughs> <laughs> what would well, I what would I pay for a Chiefs Cordero Patterson kick return touchdown? Top shot NFL version? I don't I don't <laughs> Don't say that number out loud. I, I would have to I would have to like trade on 8x margin to get it. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to take out so much leverage. <laughs> okay. So the last guy I want to talk about, Clyde, I, I was going to end it on Hardman, but we're going to end on Clyde Edwards-Solaire, who you know, playing in leagues with me, I was like, whatever. Yeah. I don't care if this guy sucks. He's going to be the lead running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. Turns forever. out that matters. Turns out sucking. Uh, it, does, it doesn't really matter because they don't have an alternative for playing time with him, or they didn't in 2020 but they're, they're about to the Damian Williams problem looms large because Damian might just be a better fit, but Damian is going to have not played football for 18 months and is going to be 29. Yep. He'll be 29 for the season. So, you know, 29 year old running back coming off of a year of not playing. I mean, it, it really should not be surprising to us if his best days are behind him, you know, just that can happen. Yeah, and I think we should also, you know, not rule out the possibility that Edwards Lair takes a big gets leap better. forward in a second year. Yeah, we see this all the time with guys improving in their second year. We're kind of baking it into like I'm baking it into my Antonio Gibson ranking and I'm baking it into my Acres ranking, my Swift ranking. Like we're all expecting, you know, Jonathan Taylor should not be getting drafted where he is if you don't think he's going to improve somewhat as a pass catcher. So, we're kind of baking in improvements to all these guys. Um, Edwards Hilaire, like he didn't 
embarrass himself. It certainly didn't look great, but you could see things improving. And that's probably just as likely as, as it is for Damian Williams to come back and be, you know, who, who he was in 2019 and 2018 after, after you've taken a year off and, and playing at 29. So, and the other thing is that Williams is only going to have one year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. So entering 2022, you could have Edwards Hilaire improve on his 2020 season. Maybe he's still not delivering elite fantasy value. But as we see with Josh Jacobs, who's still going in the first two rounds, Edwards Hilaire probably still goes in the first two rounds because he's going to enter 2022 most likely as a locked-in lead back for the Kansas City Chiefs. So you probably do get a bit of a free look at this year. There's, there's some ways in which he loses value. Things could go really wrong. But in the most likely scenario, even if things aren't great, he's still probably in the second or third round range just because there are not that many guys who are going to be lead running backs on good teams. Yeah, I think that I think that's basically the kindest thing you can say about him is it seems like he is going to be the lead back of a very good team for the next four years, right? Assuming yep. the assuming the uh, that he gets his fifth year option picked up. I mean, if you wanted to be un and you know what, it's like he had what eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns, I think, as a rookie. In he missed a couple games. Yeah, thirteen games, eleven hundred yards five touchdowns, 54 targets, 36 receptions. I mean, if you weren't watching every single snap and living and breathing with how miserable he looked, it's like in, in a spreadsheet, those numbers don't really look that bad. Like if you, if you are able to macro your brain out of it a little bit, it's like, it really wasn't that bad. It felt pretty bad at the time though. And I think kind of aesthetically what feels so bad about it is he looks so slow and inefficient compared to everything else the chiefs do like compared to Travis compared to Travis Kelsey, you know, busting some safety's ass compared to Tyreek Hill coming around the edge. I mean, even compared to Hardman and Watkins, like it just looks so different from everything else they do, you know? Yeah, it does. And it just seems it's like a worse version of their offense. And it's not even like, I I would almost rather them have like AJ Dillon back there, you know, because you're like, at least you're giving this new element to the, to the offense, you know, punishing these defenses for, you know, wanting to defend the pass exclusively. If you, if you have this kind of little scat backy type dude who actually isn't that explosive out of the, that's what's so weird is it's like you, he plays like Naheem Hines, but he's 220 pounds and not that fast. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a bummer. What's what's it's kind of funny that like all the, the Joe Burrow year, um, like guys that we thought maybe would get overdrafted, like that was like a, a thought exercise, right? It's like, well, are all these guys a product of Joe Burrow or is Joe Burrow a product of throwing to all these potential first round picks, you know, uh, Jefferson, Marshall, Chase. And it's, it turns out that the one who was the product of the environment was probably Clyde Edwards Hilaire. All the rest, all the rest of them are really good. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire was the one who was eating free yards as a result. Well, this is, this is the point I was trying to make earlier about running backs, right? It's yeah. like, it's probably the running back who's getting the free meal and the, the wide receivers and the quarterback who are kind of driving the train. Yeah. Um, all right, man. I mean, we should, we should do this like once a week just until yeah. the draft comes out. Uh, just do dynasty stuff because also 
it's going to keep me engaged. I need, I need to be engaged with my dynasty teams and not just top shots so that I'm not, um, you know, just paying. Cause you know, that when the time rolls around to pay all your dynasty league fees, you're like, shit, man, I need to at I least know. win one of these leagues, at least one this year. I didn't win any. I, uh, that's not true. I won one, but it was not enough to cover all the league fees, but Drew and I had dynasty teams two seasons ago. So the year Lamar won MVP, I had Lamar and Dak in these super flex leagues on like four teams. So I, I was like, Oh, I'm just going to be the best dynasty fantasy football player ever. And then it turns out uh, when that's all you have, it's not as great. So point being, yeah. I need to win some leagues because I don't want to just foot these bills indefinitely. I'm coming off my best year ever. So I'm, I'm kind of riding that high with uh that's your best year ever was 2020 in dynasty in dynasty yeah what what I, why do you think because i did very bad relative to and i have some teams that are tanking anyway so that's fine but like i didn't have anything like lamar what 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 was your what was the secret i got to the playoffs in a bunch of these leagues that have um that you'd like the whole play like the last three weeks is just whoever scores most points over those three weeks yeah it's just it's just getting to the dance yeah and then i had evans i had Diggs, i had adams i had these guys you know remember that week where like everyone was putting up just an insane amount of fantasy points so i i like squeaked out two championships in those and then a second place finish on one of those and then i had i had a couple other teams in some of these expert leagues that were the just monsters so um because part of it was my best team last year was when i drafted before the nfl draft and i got ram and i got justin jefferson and i'm saying not teams were not startups where you you pick the rookie picks but startups where you actually pick the rookies um and another ffpc best ball one that i won i got antonio gibson extremely late and that allowed me to kind of do uh like a a hyper fragile kind of running back construction there. So yeah, I think that was one of the things two two different leagues that I drafted before the NFL draft I won. Um I believe those are the only two where I got to pick players before the draft. So that's I've been singing the praises of that. Maybe maybe I'm a little biased on that, but I think I do think that's an edge because um I think some rookies get really overdrafted, like the guys that everyone knows tend to get a little a little overdrafted. But we like to dig deep on these guys and this is the time of year where you get the biggest edge. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for, I, I'm in at least one league where we draft before the rookie draft, maybe more. It's, it's very hard to say it just so I need, I know you and Pete keep everything in like a spreadsheet and stuff. Like I am not that organized and I really should because, uh, I'm just going to, I keep it I'm in a spreadsheet, but I don't always check it. You know, when, yeah. there, when there's yeah, top yeah. shot drops and stuff, you, you don't always check your dynasty uh, due dates. Yeah. All right, everyone, follow Pat on Twitter. Read his stuff at Establish the Run. Listen to Ship Chasing, and uh, I'll be back next week. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.